I know, right? I hadn't heard anything about it until right before we went on air, and I saw that Entertainment Weekly had posted a thing, you know, with the top ten moments or something like that. Yeah, I read it right. You showed it to me right before. Um, that there's so many that were right here. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's funny too, in its own right. Um, so, hello, hello, everybody. Welcome. Today is. Oh my goodness gracious! All right, let me slow down. Every everybody, stay where you are. <laughs> <laughs> Don't move. All right, here we go. Um, out of sorts today, Mrs. Ryan. Wonder why. Wonder There's why. a camera blocking me. Oh My yeah, face. sorry about that. <laughs> that is that's rude, rude, Hello. rude. Hi, Mrs. Ryan. Hi. There we go. That is much better. That's much better. You're much prettier um, <laughs> than that camera. <laughs> I'm sure you were in the picture on the camera, but that's probably not what we were going for. Hello, uh, hello, hello, everybody. Today is Thursday, August 30th, 2018. Wow. 25 years after the uh, debut of The Late Show with David Letterman, when all of this stuff was shown to America for the first time at 11.35. It's crazy it was that long ago, because I think everyone was alive and saw it <laughs> or knew about it. And weird. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, did you watch it? You were said you were Leno I people. I think so. Back then. I don't. I don't have a memory of it, but I oh. imagine I would have. Oh, you'd remember it. It was a big deal. Like you would have gone to a viewing party or something. You wouldn't have. It wouldn't have just been on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, back to reg regular stuff. Um, we're going to be telling an interesting story involved uh, or involving David Letterman and myself from my childhood, um, and it's not creepy like it sounded right there the way I just <laughs> me too no it's nothing like that at all that's awful um, and I don't mean to make fun of that apparently I am nervous <laughs> Who knew? Um, no we, we are going to be um, telling a story that has not been told well ever really ever publicly uh, but publicly. it's the story itself is 20 something years old 22 years old I think Right. Nuts. It was 20 years old when we decided to tell it and when we started to pursue um, ways of trying to tell it. Um, and 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 it's taken this long. We'll get into that stuff later um, when we actually tell the story. Uh, in the meantime, Mrs. Ryan, I do have an East Coast feed oh, I would like yeah. to bring to everyone's attention. But um, I, I wanted to ask, I haven't seen you much today and we're sh taping a little bit later than we normally do. How's your day been? Uh, it's been, it's been fine. It, uh, I mean, how you feeling? You know, I mean, just in general. I'm not feeling great. So the fine is like when I'm not feeling pain, I'm very productive. <laughs> but yeah. I'm feeling a lot of pain. Well, you were quite productive. I, I'm asking. I was out this morning. We had there was some work being done here in the building. We had to get our everyone had to get their cars out of the garages. So they could, I don't flush the pipe. Some annual maintenance thing. <laughs> nothing important. Um, but the gist of it was everybody had to be up and uh, have their cars out of the garage early. Uh, so I said, "Well, boy, that's a terrible thing to have to get up and have to get oh, the car out of here." Oh no! Oopsie. Um, so I took the opportunity to um, clear my head and blow off a little steam and um, enjoy the crest. Just kind of tooled around up there for a couple hours. You took some great photos. 
Thanks. Yeah, whenever the really whenever neat. the light was kind of right, I just stopped and pulled over. There was no one out there. Other than the Palmdale 500 going the other direction, I never passed another car. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah it looked really pretty out there. I stopped by Newcomb's on the way back just hi to pop Danny. in for some coffee, say hi to Danny Welcome and Tom back. who were there. Hi, Tom. I know, Danny looks great. It's so funny. She's she's all smiley. She's got t- she had some uh, dental uh, oral surgery or whatever you call that. Um and but it, it's adorable. She's very happy. It's good. They're just attempts for however long, but you know. Good. Yeah. She's back. She's back and she's really back like the personality and all. That's awesome. We I saw love her last week that. and she was back, but sh- her personality she was No. <laughs> she doesn't remember any of that by the way. Oh, really? <laughs> None of it. Hilarious. I'm gl- I'm glad. I'm glad she was out of it. <laughs> <laughs> she walked down the hill with her sister to say hello to every- oh. no the other last week to yeah. say hello to everybody. Heavily medicated. It's funny in retrospect that she doesn't remember it because she seemed lucid. Yeah, I thought the same thing. <laughs> I, said th- I said the same thing to her. She was on some pills or whatever, of course. So get off that shit. Uh, all right. East Coast feed. Yeah. Steve Cass. I believe that this is actually a continuation from yesterday. I think uh, okay. so because I think they're still at Coney Island. Oh. Astroland Park. Do you know what? any of that? Did you ever do any of that when you were a kid? No. Was that famous to you? It was famous, but like from afar. We were like eight, nine hours away. So like it. Never occurred to any of us to go down there. Growing, wh- growing up where I grew up, it was, you know, uh, New York stations were local stations. So we would get the local commercials, too. You know, like we, we had right. uh, WNBC as well as, you know, well, I guess that was just that's all it was there. So um, my point being like, oh, they would advertise Coney Island Astroland Park. That's neat. So yeah. it was a whole thing, you know. All right. I guess never. Whatever. My I, I, in my head, I'm like, oh, we had, we had Canadian stations. We did That's not so have funny. those ads. Yeah, and you had Darien Lake and stuff like that. Yeah, that was close. We went there. <laughs> All right. East Coast Feed, checking in with Steve Kaz and I believe Coraline. Right on now. Roll it, Hal. Coming to you live from the Mets Minor League Stadium for the Brooklyn Cyclones here in Coney Island. Jonesy, say hi to Jay and Nicole. East Coast Feed. Very excited. Say hi to David and Andy Jazz. We're here. We're here to the Harry Potter contest. I know you guys have seen this morning, we were in uh, the outfield last time when we did the seven line thing. It's a Mets minor league thing. We come here all the time. It's a good time. I know, guys. We got a cute monkey finishing off the birthday week. Never mind his name. Never mind his name. Love you guys anyway. Goodbye, guys. They look like they're having a blast. I'm so glad. Yeah, I guess I was wrong. It wasn't. They were at Coney Island, but not uh, not in the amusement park, but at the game again. He was. The, I, it was hard to hear, of course, but uh, it said it, they are a Mets minor league team. So that I think okay. we asked that question once. So it seems like that's the answer. That makes sense. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know where they were. I thought they were the U.S. Open at first. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Before over. I saw the. It's what Arthur Ashe, right? Yeah, that's uh. That would be where the actual Mets play next to oh. Shea. It's not Shea Station. <laughs> what year is it? <laughs> Shea Stadium. Uh, City dog. Field. City Field. Okay. But it's City with an I. Like the, oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, it <laughs> happens. <laughs> <laughs> you telling me there wasn't an Empire State Company? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mrs. Ryan. Um... All right, that's one thing we did earlier, so I'll cross that off. And then all this, we have gotten to the time where I ask you the question, what's going on? I'm ready for you. <laughs> um, 
Okay. Did you know? Well, maybe Kaz can go. Here's my idea for another East Coast feed. I feel like he'll get there anyway. There's a new Lego land on the East Coast. Did really? You know? Yeah. It's open. No, it, it made my voice do that. That's how excited I was. I've never been <laughs> to any Legoland and never had any interest. And then right. that Lego movie was better than I expected uh, story-wise. And, and I still have no interest in going to Legoland. But I found out you can't go unless you have kids, which is pretty neat. Like, you can't go. I didn't know that. That's well, maybe awesome. you could go. I can't go. I think that's great if that's a rule. But I, I think, think we can't cool. even go. Like, we couldn't go together. I think that's also great. Like, it's not an adult place. But if for any of our friends with kids do go, um, well, we just watched that Johnny Knoxville document movie on Netflix. Movie. Action Park. Oh, gosh. Action yeah, whatever. so I grew up with Action Park. The actual Action Park went there every summer, and it was uh, everything that they say it was. Uh, the movie made it look a little more like, I hesitate to say white trash because that's not really the, uh, probably not even an acceptable term. Um, but it was, I don't know, they made it look a little more evil, Knievel, and it was out dusty. And, you know, it was truly East Coast in the woods and in the in pine trees. And, like, you know, it's a ski resort in the winter. Oh, I, great I'm gorge, sure you told me Great that. Gorge Ski Didn't Resort. Well, anyway, I grew up with it, and we loved it. And the movie was, um, you know, it was entertaining to see what they did. Uh, they covered the story pretty well, it seemed like, from what I understood. The, the broad strokes. I mean, the stories that you've told me and the people that I do know otherwise that have been there, it sounds dangerous but enticing. So, What makes the actual um, story better is probably some stuff that they didn't put in the movie, like how the, <laughs> the owner of the park had to formulate his own insurance company abroad somewhere so because nobody would... <laughs> Nobody would insure them because of the injuries. See, I wish they put that part and in. And they had to they funny. had to buy ambulances for the town of Vernon, New Jersey. So because they, that's <laughs> because it was a, a, a burden on the taxpayers to have to keep sending. <laughs> this is all true. Here's the deal: that would have made the movie better. I know. To know that part, I not know. just like a do gooder whatever. That's all right. We um, love Johnny Knoxville, though. I do. Uh, he is His my happy place. His face is entertaining at all times. At all times, he's my happy place. All right. Anyway, check out Legoland in Goshen, New York. Um, Goshen. Oh. That's where our old neighbor uh, Patrick. Neighbor. Hi, neighbor. Patrick. Uh, I can't remember his last name. Patrick. Is you know. Gloves. <laughs> no. <laughs> our old neighbor. neighbor. Oh, that guy. Uh, Patrick Jagdar. Deegan. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there. Uh, the one thing that I thought was actually kind of neat that'll probably be outdated by the time it comes out, but there's a minifigure experience from manufacturing to unboxing that, like, you as a patron can become a Lego per thing. Oh, my. And go through the whole thing. I don't know. F.A.O. Schwartz used to have a thing where you could be a Muppet. I th always thought that was awesome. All right. Well, that kills it because that's way better. You know, they make a Muppet, you know, you they whatever, and they make you a Muppet of you. All right. Well, that's way better. That's pretty cool. Don't go. Um, hot and humid weather biologically, literally, um, prevents your body from cooling itself down. That seems to make sense. Apparently, it, it seems I mean to that, make sense. Right. I'm just trying to think of, oh, when do we have more trouble? And I'm trying to think, oh, when you're more taxed or whatever from these things, that's when it's worse. That's when it works. People don't think like you're very logical, but like <laughs> when people are out and about doing things, like suddenly they're just really tired and they can't always figure out why. And it's much more hot and much more humid out. And so the advice is like, slow down. Don't do as many things. Don't go to as many places. That's what it comes down to. Nobody's yeah. paying attention to themselves anymore. Correct. I'm one of the few people who's still paying attention to themselves. They call it selfish. <laughs> I'm aware of, you know, what's going on up here and around me. 
yeah. instead of in my thing or in my multiple things right. or in my, uh, you know. You're very single task oriented and you don't, in a focused way. When life gave us a different um, deck, yeah, uh, I we ha I had to change and learn to enjoy the most. You got to smell the road. You got to do all the stuff. You have to enjoy all of the in between the stuff. Yeah, everybody's got the stuff that we do, but the in between, there's magic everywhere, and um, yeah, you're caught up doing all of the in between and all of the stuff you think you need to be doing, and, and people should do whatever they want to do. I'm uh, that's one of those things like. If you want to be like me, I can tell you how I did it. That's about the end of my expertise. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? I do. I do. I like to just remind, like, it, I like these reminders because, like, I know those, but, like, I get caught in the, like, okay, you'll be fine. Just do whatever. Uh -huh. And, like, try to be there when it's, like, drink water. <laughs> if you need, I, I need, like, to read the articles that's, like, drink water. Humidity's bad for you. <laughs> It is weird, though, because you would think, oh, the opposite, you know, oh, osmosis, it's, you know, and your skin probably feels damp and everything. Yeah, they read a whole thing, like normal bodies, like expel heat and sweat and stuff. And I don't want to keep going on. Okay, I'll move <laughs> on. Um, Thank you. <laughs> scientists are bridging physical gaps. And the reason I brought this up, I knew you worked with them. They're, they use Christopher Reeve as the type of injury that they're fi they're trying to fix. Of like they're they're creating new abilities of between the brain and the spinal cord to wow. communicate, cool, and so that hopefully people like him in accidents like that can walk again. And well, I believe uh, the neuroplasty is possible, the rewiring of the brain. So theoretically, I've always believed also that you could rewire other nerves to do other things and other things to do other things. If you believe it, if you if there were concentration, meditation deep enough, you know that kind of thing, not just. <laughs> flip that switch <laughs> totally. reroute unplug it here and plug it in over there yeah no they made it very clear in the article like this is not a fix there's no answer but like they're exploring how to do but it, it yeah but it's a different place to shine a flashlight totally and how to do it and whatever i like it super rad absolutely and i you know i barely worked with christopher reeve but i that's it's definitely a, a resume moment because he was, he very was cool on the practice was right cool. when you were there mm-hmm yeah, he's one of the many, yeah. many guest stars. So and every time I cool. have to give, she's passed away as well, but his wife, Dana. Yeah, awesome, yeah. awesome human beings, both of them. Awesome. So I was, I'm super happy they're working on that. Um, and then the last one, there, I didn't know this was a goal, but it logically makes sense. Um, a 20-hour nonstop flight between Australia and Europe, Sydney and London specifically. Oh, what is it now? It's two flights. Yeah. Like when I went to Australia, we just stopped somewhere and take a different flight. So, yeah, you have to go to different places. You would still have to do that from here. You're saying from London to You're right. Sydney. You're right. From London to Sydney is Qantas's agenda to have a What you're saying is we're going to a longer leg than we previously had possible? Is that what we're doing? Is that what the... That's what they're. That's what they're trying to do. Is what Qantas is oh. like putting out a like call to arms to like send us what you think the plane would look like. And got it. I got caught up in the what the hell it was, let alone what you're actually talking about. Well, they the the specificities that they have come down to is that there's 300 pe passengers, their luggage, a potential potentially a gym and a childcare oh area, <laughs> which a sounds gym. nuts. A gym, a gym. A work, I can't work even start. Area. Okay, workout area makes more sense. Yeah. Because you can rubber bands and, and those uh, uh, so medical tubes are pretty we'll light. 
But I was trying to think, I mean, you have to, this whole thing is weight based, right? We got to get it up there. Yeah. So there are, it was a little nuts Front loaded to me. with dumbbells. Like, you can take a couple flights, like it's fine. But I looked at it the way I did the uh, puddle jumper one the other day of the innovation of social travel and like all that goes with that stuff. So they want to go to space now, you know. I know, and they're <laughs> I know, and they're making a way station near the moon to go to Mars. I don't know. It's a whole thing. Lots of travel excitement. I don't know. We live in the future. We live in the future. For our generation, this is the future for sure. It's weird to feel old uh, in that regard. Yeah, I like it. I do too. I do too. I've always felt old though. But this is going to be part of it today. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I yeah, I did too. I used to say that, and I stopped. <laughs> yeah, but I used to. Did you ever lie about your age up? Yeah. Did you really? Yeah. When yeah, I, I was did twenty-three. Too. Yeah, that's the same thing. When I moved out here, it was uh, I always added like two or three years because I didn't go to college, yet I had all the ex the work experience and all the stuff. So it didn't really I didn't really didn't make sense it. off paper or on paper. Right. Yeah, no, you didn't. So bizarre. Love you for it. <laughs> so bizarre. All right, next one or is that it? No, that's it. Oh my gosh, that's Ben. What's going on? That's pretty good. Uh, Mrs. Ryan, that brings us to break time. Break and then time. when we come back, Late Show 25, hashtag no more monkeys, hashtag is this thing on, hashtag the microphone situation story. Hashtag your story. I'm so, I can't wait. I'm so <laughs> looking forward to it. <laughs> I think I accept. I took your nervousness and just ate it up. Uh, good, because I am just excited. Okay, That's all good. it is. This was, a, this was a, a secret story for 20 years. And then it's been a secret story that I've been dying to tell for two years and um and we finally stopped listening to everybody else and now we're just giving it to everybody moments here yeah uh that's it cool. more to come see you in a minute <laughs> it seems so weird uh we will be back right after this more to come
Well, that's it, Mrs. Ryan. Welcome back. We are back. <laughs> and there's no camera in your view there. We've moved that stuff during the break, so there's no distractions moving forward. Right. Noted. <laughs> Noted and on point. Ah, what the heck were we doing? Oh, boy, I don't remember. <laughs> Just kidding. I do remember very, very well. All right. Welcome back, everybody. We are back. Let's see. Boy, I feel like that song was written for this moment. <laughs> I have to agree. I listened to the words this time, and it's so spot on. It's awesome. Yeah, so I'm trying to think of where to start with this. Um, I didn't want to do too much preparation for the sake of this story is much better when I don't. Um, but what it comes down to is I can tell this in five minutes. I've done that, and I can tell this in three hours. I've done that. Um, so finding a happy medium that lands somewhere in the 20-minute, half-an-hour mark or so um, is is what the goal is here. So please try to keep me um, somewhere in the in the neighborhood. Okay. Late show twenty five. No more monkeys crossed off. That I've got some more of just like stay on the uh, on the story points here. Uh, okay. Welcome back, everybody. To refresh everyone's memory, I am Jay Ryan. This is Nicole Ryan, and it's tonight's show. The break was a little longer for us than it was for you, um, but uh, we are here and we are together and. Let's see. I guess I'm trying to think. The best thing would probably be to paint the picture of the kind of kid I was. And um, the regular viewers of this show know, but there's probably going to be a lot of people who see this episode that have never seen this show before. Right. So <laughs> may need to explain. Um, I was a, uh, a kid who didn't really feel like he fit in anywhere. And I was, I don't know that I was actually an outcast, but I definitely felt like one. Um, so I wasn't a jock. I wasn't a whatever. I just didn't have a click. And uh, my parents divorced, and uh, I'm painting like a sad story. It wasn't, you know, that bad. But it was a childhood that was tumultuous, and I had to navigate a lot of stuff. And because of that, I really never figured out friendship and clicks and all of that stuff. Right. So loner kid who then began to cultivate his imagination. Uh, spent a lot of time alone, only child. And, um, and, and I was a dreamer. I saw things on television. I loved them. I fell in love with Double Dare when I was a kid. I fell in love with Ghostbusters when I was a kid. Splash before that. You know, whatever was going on. Um, one day I found, I went to the NBC tour actually. It was what, what was, that's, that, what, that's how it started. Yeah. Cool. And uh, whatever. I fell in love with David Letterman, et cetera. Um, and it wasn't David Letterman. It was, uh, I had never seen anything like that before. Uh, it was new to me. All of this equipment we've said before is, is, was fascinating to me. I loved this stuff. And it was like the on-air sign and all the lights. And I think it was so much further from what I thought it would be that it just, I don't know. I kind of always thought there would be lights and stuff. I felt like I'd seen pictures of television studios. But being in one with all of that electric it's energy mm -hmm, and Paul Schaefer and the band playing and everything, there's just a crazy energy. Anyway, all of these things together with um, I didn't really have that much of a positive role model to kind of steer me in, in a, in a good direction. Um, uh, I think I just imprinted. I imprinted on, it was like, Oh, this guy's talking to me. Nobody else was really talking to me. I didn't to fit in, in school. What it seems like, like you related to what he was saying. Like you, it went into your brain the right way. Yeah, I think so. So that's the backstory on me. I was that kid. Most of you already know that. Um, my dad, what kind of guy was my dad? My dad was um, very similar. He was a, a, a lover of comedy. I feel like if he knew how to do that, he could have. 
Do you know what I mean? He didn't know that he could. He could have, right. I should say. He could have done it. Um, at the bar, he was... He was, he was very popular. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He was the one that you wanted to be around, just the one giving out the energy. Um, and I think he could have done something like this. But for whatever reason, he didn't. But I grew up with stories of how he would go down to the city uh, on Saturday nights to go see the Jackie Gleason show, or what you know was the Honeymooners, um, tape in the Ed Sullivan Theater. And that was years before um, so bananas. I, I knew who David Letterman was, let alone before all of this stuff was put in the Ed Sullivan Theater for him. Um, so, and then for what he did for a living, he was a, a, a commercial photographer, so he was a creative. Um, but he was also a volunteer firefighter and uh, just a, 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 he was a lot of things that I think a lot of people don't know about. And I only found out after the fact, unfortunately. My dad, as part of the story, passed away when I was young. Um, all right, so that's the kind of guy he was. So we used to watch Letterman together. We used to watch comedies together. It's a Mad Mad World and Silver Streak. All of my favorite comedy movies, I got them from him, of course. You I know the, the old stuff, the Abbott and Costello stuff. From him, from that time with him, it's really cool. For sure, yeah. I mean, I grew up watching the previous generation's idols, the Milton Burles and the uh, Bob Hopes. I love living in Toluca Lake because I remember, ah, Toluca Lake, <laughs> it's wild. You know what I mean? He's playing <laughs> yeah. golf around the corner. It's, it's, it's ah, I don't know. To me, that stuff's neat. Very cool. Uh, I would love to be able to share that stuff with my dad. Um, so I hope that he can hear this in some way or see this in some way. Um, so so those are, that's the kind of people we, uh, I was and we were. Uh, and then uh, what happened? Okay, so I was the David Letterman fan. I began to, um, I thought, oh, I'm going to work there one day. I'll get an internship or whatever. That, I'm going to, whatever my life is going to be, it's going to start with working at David Letterman. And that's just, period there wasn't a plan b i mean like <laughs> everybody wanted one i was unwilling <laughs> totally unwilling um so I, I i can't remember exactly when and how it all transpired but um it was my sophomore year uh, I transferred back into the Wilton school system. I wasn't passing my classes and I had no interest in it. We're going to get to some visual aids here in a moment with some of my school books um, that are full awesome. of pictures of this yeah. stuff. I, you know, I wasn't, I was, I was applying myself all over the place, but doing nothing that they wanted. <laughs> Those school books are, there's not a stitch of class notes. It's just drawings that you did. There is a, about a stitch of class notes and <laughs> okay. that's, and that's it. Just to show that they are still cool books and not just a drawing, drawing, a, you know, sketch pads. They're really good drawings. Thanks. Um, when I moved into the Wilton school system, they had a t I went to go get my photo ID and you have to go into a different building. And they had a t no joke. They had a television studio. And I was like, I don't understand what this what's going on here. I thought I was just getting new classes and new friends and all that stuff. I don't understand. One thing led to another. <laughs> I got involved and went head over heels. And I mean, and we've shown pictures before. I don't think I haven't loaded in, but you guys know. Um, I had a show where I, I had to have all the parts, so I replicated the microphone perfectly. And uh, I, first, I had to buy an old microphone like this that didn't look like this, so I had to have it chrome to look like this. And then I had a, this thing made by a welding company in Bethel, Connecticut. Um, it, like all the pieces. <clears throat> Because it wasn't enough to just have the same microphone. It had to, it had to, had to look, look the like same it. and everything else. 
to me it was like oh well the set's not the same the desk isn't the same the chairs aren't the same but all of the other pieces could be the same i'm like i can get blue mugs i could get this you know what i mean and right. then in my mind it would be the thing of whatever i needed it to be so that i could go do whatever i thought i needed to do right the adult me knows i was just a kid who never had a voice and i just wanted to be able to have a voice you know what i mean it all it all kind of clicks when you when you hear the whole thing so <clears throat> Anyway, I started doing this and, and, and I started booking and I did it all myself. I mean, we had other students who so helped impressive. F to be the crew, but like I built the set and well, I enlisted the departments of the high school to help me build the set, the <laughs> theater <laughs> people and the, and the, uh, uh, what do you call it? You know, wood shop and all that. Uh, anyway, so I went head over heels and did all that. And, uh, we had local celebrities on, we had, uh, some of the people from the Letterman band even, and, uh, okay. it was just really fun. A daytime person, right? Like, a, a soap, opera. soap opera. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. David Canary, the people right. who lived in the area, he lived in the town. So he was, and his kids were in the school system. He was accessible. He was easy to reach out to. Um, but stuff like that. And, uh, and I thought that for sure, this is it. I'm really doing nothing now because I am going all in, all in go. on this. Sounds familiar. <laughs> um, all right, so that's the that's ten minutes of backstory right there. Um, let's see. Graduate high school. Well, well. How about I? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Junior and senior year of high school, I do internships. Junior year at the uh, local TV station News Twelve in Norwalk, and then senior year down at Thirty Rock, like down at at. I was working on Conan and here's your dream. Yeah. 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 It was happening. The only, yeah, I'll tell you why it wasn't was because David uh, Letterman had already left and like, oh. I wanted that set and everything, right. you know, I was into all that stuff. Um, the backstory, I mean, I was so into it that in order to do the things that I wanted to do, I would call the late show with David or late night back then with David Letterman. And I would call, um, I, you get, you, you ask the right questions for what you ask the actual questions you actually want to know. You don't know how to get the right, whatever the names and all the stuff but you say i want to know how the set was built or something like that and they're like oh hang on that's the art department oh, yeah. i'll get right through it. i'm like oh art department yeah, down. <laughs> okay so art department is my term here that i need to use it's how i learned everything anyway i used to call kathleen anchors and i would okay. for lack of a better term i guess i would interview her i would just ask her you know where this stuff was made and and how and stuff like that I and she would tell me she told me all of this stuff time. was made at a company called lincoln scenic and i assume it's true i adore her for taking the time to talk to you about it she was a sweet old british lady who um i didn't know till later because i i hadn't seen as many episodes as i've seen now at that point you know what i mean right. it was still new to me and i was just fascinated i found out later that she was on the air all the time anytime you saw helen the ill-tempered ticket lady or or the the librarian lady the the nbc bookmobile that was always her it's so funny it's awesome it's very and she won emmys she's passed away since yes set. she won emmys for two shows okay uh one was this set from the late show and then one was the rosie um oh. the daniel kellison year the rosie o'donnell um the set that They're that we worked on there great set yeah uh anyway all over the place all over the place um all right that's who was I? Who was my dad? What was I up to? All right. What happened? Uh, graduated senior year. Oh, by the way, I was going to those night school things because there was no possible going to those internship things because there was no possible way I was going to graduate on time. That's what the school had said, the dean and the, and the you know, all the people, the guidance counselor and all the people who came in with the parents and the whole thing and uh, said, you, you, there's just no way you can graduate on time. You won't make the credits up. At, at the pace without taking on more classes and that's not you know what I mean it didn't they were like no nah, it's not, not can't happening. do this 
and I, and the other thing too was there was massive amounts of frustration on everybody's part because I wasn't a dumb kid. I could be doing the stuff they right. said. I clearly just wasn't. So there was a a bit of stubbornness or whatever was going on with me. I was like, you can't make whatever. me do it. I guess, <laughs> I guess, I guess, I don't know. Um, but so because of that, they devised the internship program. And what I did was I worked every day during the day and then uh, like nine to five. And then I would and go, then you went to night school? and then I would go to the same, it was the same curriculum and it was actually a lot of the same teachers, but it was actually at a different school in the, I think it was at the middle school or something, but whatever. It was just at, at the school that happened to be open at night. You know what I mean? I'm Instead of keeping the lights on at the high school. It shows such initiative to do both at the same time and actually do it. Well, it was great for me because I got to do everything I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then because of that, I had no problem applying myself for right. a few hours at night. It was from five to nine and there was a break because all the kids smoked. I was the only kid who didn't smoke. You know, they're all out there. Um, a lot of these kids were either, you know, some of them had um, substance abuse problems or perhaps family issues or some maybe some of the financial issues where maybe they had to work and help support. You know what I mean? Right. So you never knew what was going on. Yeah. Um, but great people. And to me, it was my type of learning. It was the Goonies. It was the breakfast club. Totally. It was a bunch of weirdos who didn't fit in in yeah. the regular shit. And then we got shit done. It was like the movie The Internship. Then nice. we all pooled our collective street smarts that we had all amassed. And then we like housed the schoolwork. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, this is, do you know, when you've, when you've done life, do you know how easy school is? Anybody who's of age wants to go back and do school. Yep. Oh, I wish I was your age and only had to worry about homework right. and class and whew. Enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's why that all transpired. Okay. I graduated on time with high honors. That's a feat. Straight A's because I knew the teachers. They saw the difference in me. I was applying the crap out of myself because it was, it's not that it was easier, but the learning structure was much easier for me because it was conversation based. It wasn't lecture and study and do homework. My mind drifts. I go and do whatever I want to do. I get creative and build shit and come up with shit and think of shit. Yeah. Um, they were asking me to not, they were asking me to do other stuff. (laughs) Um, so yeah, uh, whatever. It worked out great. It was awesome. That was 1995. Um, I went to the Connecticut school of broadcast because keep in mind, I'm going to go get my job at NBC now. And the people there were helping me out. Joey Abig from, uh, from Conan was helping me out with, uh, with the hiring guy and he was helping me with the union and he was helping me. I mean, it was so cool. Uh, so I was like, this is as soon as I'm done with this, I'm just doing this for the credit. Cause my, my, my parents wanted me to go to this. They wanted me to go to some college. And then, um, this was like a, a, a cheapo eight week course, not cheapo. In fact, it was really expensive for eight weeks, but, uh, I got a scholarship because of my show oh. from high school. That's so good. I ended up going to Connecticut school of broadcasting, but it's like this, it's like over the summer, you know what I mean? It's like only a few months and, um, and graduated and uh, barely because that was bullshit too (laughs) it was the same problem here i am working at 30 rock uh you know last month and now i'm being told how you now you keep the mic at a 45 degree angle and you should smile when you're so that you and i'm like what is all of this i was just making television and literally like pulling cable and shit but i was helping on the set for real shows making real stuff yeah. Yeah, I get it. So I was like, I could teach some of these courses because this is like, oh, the guy from Weeby 108, and you know what I mean, <laughs> whatever. And and they were so nice, and they were. It was. I don't, I don't mean to shit on it. It wasn't for me though. So I ended up. My parents never knew. I don't know if they know this to this day, but I ended up only going to about. I went to the first week, and then maybe the second week, and then I kind of just 
I would leave every day, but I would kind of drive around and whatever. Like I would go to the class usually, but I'd be late or I wouldn't go that day. And well then, yeah, it was just I, I, we got our money's worth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what that leads me to is uh, it, it gave me more time to be alone and more time to think. And I didn't know anything about a guy named Rupert Pupkin that yet Not from yet. a movie. A, a movie that is directed by, um, uh, uh, what's his name? A famous movie director, Scorsese, right? I think so. Yeah. And De Niro's and Robert it, De Niro, right? yeah. Uh, and Jerry Lewis. It's a fantastic right. movie, right. Uh, but I had never heard of it, having ne- and, and obviously never seen it. But I decided to craft this Rupert Pupkin idea where I would build, and I, I've drawn pictures and everything, I would build or, or use the desk and chairs, the talk show from my uh, house or from my school in the in, basement yeah. of the house. Because I could do something like this, but keep in mind this is 1995. It, yeah, 1995. Um, but I but I did it. So I did, it. and we have you know videotape and stuff like that. And I was setting it up, and I built it, and I crafted it. And the idea was to have. F- I knew I wouldn't be able to get good guests over to my mom's basement type thing or whatever. <laughs> but I knew that I could show what I could do. Right. Essentially, this type of thing. Right. Um, and the. The thing is, it would have been the first talk show. I, mean, I don't know if it would have been the first talk. Rupert Pupkin probably is the first one. But it would have been like if I had actually. Well, all right. So I'll get to. Now we're caught up too. Here's the story. <laughs> Here we go. 20 minutes. Beautiful. It's going to be a long one, folks. Uh, on the 1st of 1996. Okay. January 1st, 1996. My dad calls and he doesn't feel well. He wants me to take him to the doctor next day. And uh, I was sitting in the basement studio at the desk when dad's on the phone, pick up the phone. Um, So it's weird how it's all it's all connected. So I left the desk and went out of the studio and went to go take the phone call. And he said that, you know, his vision was blurred and he he was having some dizziness and stuff and uh, blah, blah, blah. Could I drive him? That's my dad. He worked still. I mean, he was 56 years old. so it was weird. And uh, one thing led to another. I, don't, I won't go through the details of that. It's a whole separate story. But one thing led to another, and he died very quickly. It was cancer. Uh, it was it started with lung cancer. He was a smoker, and it ended up going to his brain. And uh, it was in his brain well before we you know, went in on the symptoms that, uh, that were bothering him. Right. Uh, that's a brain tumor that's pushing on things that's making him. Blurry vision yeah, and, on and your optical nerve. You know all yeah. of that stuff all too well, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So, so, um, so, but so he passed away and I'm an only child and my parents were divorced and he had some siblings and I had some family on his side and, um, you know, like things go, family is, uh, complicated and things happen that have nothing to do with you years before you're even alive, literally. Um, so there was a lot of drama in the family that I didn't know about that, you know, it came out the moment he died, unfortunately, because that's when it comes out. Everyone's raw and everyone's hurt and hurting. Um, and anyway, so there was a rift caused in my family where I not only lost my dad, but I ended up losing that All inside, that the, the entire side of the family, so like sorry. a hatchet job. Yeah. No, 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 it's okay. I mean, it's 20 something years ago. Yeah. But an 18 year old who just lost his dad and thinks, and by the way, we've said this before, the maternal influence is not that positive. She means well. She's a good person. I don't know if she is well type of thing. You know, it's right. one of those deals. Yeah. Um, but she was a good person and she was doing everything she could at the time. 
And she was around for all of this, too. Um, anyway, tumultuous period, um, even in the first couple of weeks. So it was January 1st that I got the call to take him to the doctor. It was January 7th when he was actually diagnosed with, okay, here's what it is, and here's your thing, and here's the plan. And he died March 7th. So two day, two, he was supposed to live okay. eight to ten months. Yeah, he was going to get better. He was terminal, but he was going to get better, go back to work, stuff like that. Treatment. Dead in two. Yeah, and we, and we were doing the treatments Ugh. and everything. So it, it is what it is. I think it's a blessing. I think I was 18. I think, I think life works out. All of that backstory is to kind of give you my emotional position for the story that we are now beginning. Um, he died March 7th. I had a friend who didn't even live in town anymore. He lived somewhere else. And he was uh, coming back across the country, whatever. I had a friend who just loved me. It was like a youth group friend, you know, when you're a kid. So, like, you, you bonded at an early age, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I didn't have that many friends. So right. I actually still am in contact with, with most of the, like, I would have, you know, one or two good friends. And yeah. I, I still know most of them. Um, he came and stayed with me when my dad died. And he came uh, actually before my dad even died, like when the, the last the last little bit there. And he uh, just was like a helper. I called him my, he was a guardian angel on my cell phone for years and years. And um, my dad had, uh, you know, so he's gone. So it was basically another body in the house. Now I'm living in my dad's house in, in Wilton, Connecticut, alone. A dark house in the middle of the woods, 18-year-old kid. Just a really weird situation. So my friend, you know, comes and, and it's not, I wasn't scared. I mean, I was fine, but it was more of like the emotional, everyone was I worried about imagine, me. yeah. Yeah. And by the way, I was fine. I was the only one who was fine because I didn't start grieving till like a year later. It was all still, you know, kind of shock. And I was like the young adult. Right. I always had to be the adult on the other side. So I just, I went <laughs> into that role, you know? Um, so... This is a coincidence, but now we're on to the late show. Going on at the same time was a tumultuous period for the late show. There were they had switched to CBS a couple years earlier, and there were the ratings war was going on with Jay Leno at the time, and all that everything anybody who was was ever into this remembers. And um, you know there was a there was a I can't remember Hugh Grant went on, and then they started getting more ratings, or they got a new set or something. Anyway, the late show was going to get a new set. They were going to redo all of this stuff, get new chairs, new desks, new everything. And uh, it was supposed to be like the push that's going to, you know, we're going to bring it back on. Gonna, yeah. yeah, yeah, well, we're, or whatever. We're going we're gonna to play ball. Totally. We're going to bring it b big time. Um, and that was all happening along the same time. So my dad died and they were talking on the late. And by the way, so my dad passed away. This was the same to give you a, a time stamp in the history of the world. Jagged Little Pill is hot right now. Alanis Morissette. Alanis Morissette, Jagged yeah. Little Pill. And quite frankly, that got me through the anger of that song and me coming home from the hospital in the middle of the night, laying on the freshly redone hardwood floors because we'd probably have to sell the house, stuff like that. Um, um, and just blasting that shit is what it's what Saved got you. me through it. Yeah. Deal, you know, having someone else be angrier than whatever I must have felt allowed me to keep the smile going. Right. Um, so during all of this time, this is uh, I'm, I'm listening to Jagged Little Pill and I'm watching Letterman with Brian. So now this new set's coming up and I am excited. So Count I should, down. I should, yeah. Visual aids, visual aids. Oh, here we are. Yeah, well this is back from okay. before, but it'll, this will speed the process along now. I was doing stuff like this. <laughs> I mean, you've seen all these So before. detailed, it's so incredible. Yeah, it is. Um, I can do this, there we go. 
this, so it'll be the same. Now, this is actually the desk and chairs that we're sitting at right now. How you know what neat. I mean? How neat. When's that? What year? That's 96, 95? This was 1995, yeah. But I was drawing, you know, drawing stuff like, like all of the, I mean, that's the old show. This is what I was doing in school, by the way. Isn't this crazy? Yeah. Um, on and on. So this was the basement set. I actually, this actually, we built, I mean, I actually did this, and we'll have, you know, people there, or we'll uh, rather show that video at some point. That's anyway, so on cool. and on. We'll get more and more to this. But, like, I, I wanted, I needed, look at this. This is the school. <laughs> Class <laughs> these notes. Are, these are the school <laughs> books you were talking about. It's nothing but. And it's, yeah. this is just the first couple pages. You know what I mean? It's tons and tons of. Oh, now, where did I want to, one of these has, Oh, maybe it's this one. There we go. Stuff like this. I mean, for real, RCA desk mic, left side. RCA desk mic, front. I mean, for real, I just, this the was. The detail's nuts though. But what I'm learning is what, I, or what I was doing and I didn't know at the time, and I found that later in life, I was totally manifesting like all of this stuff in the Bible, you know what I mean? Like yeah. this happened because of this work. Right. It's crazy. So it's a weird question when everyone goes, how did you get this? It's like, it goes so, so deep. So far back. We'll, we'll get there, but it goes so deep. How much time you got? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, now we're caught up. New set, new hoopla, uh, Monday night. It's gonna be, they do the uh, set, uh, the, they do the show in the lobby the week before. Right, the lo they call it the lobby show, I think. I think so, yeah, I did, oh, anyway. But where they, you know, they moved the desk and chairs out to the lobby uh, because the theater was gutted again you know for the new set yep. um so monday night rolls around man i'm excited because i'm in i needed to show you those pictures to see what level i love the set like oh, i am so mm -hmm. excited to see the new set uh 11 rolls around and it's a repeat yeah it's a repeat my heart just sinks knowing what that felt like then. There was no DVR and shit either. So you, yeah. you were definitely prepared to watch this show, and it was not on. That's it. And the TV guide said it would be on. Right. I mean, everything said it would be on. Um, so uh, I was like, I don't know. Well, all right. You know what I mean? Like, I have no move. I know it in my mind. Like, oh, well, they ran behind schedule, and they couldn't put a damn show on. That's the only excuse. It's the only, uh, the only answer that makes sense to me. Totally. So I had in the couple week period. Oh, by the way, this new show was on. So my dad died on March 27th. No, my dad died on March 7th. And this was March 25th. So it's uh, right like two and a half corner. weeks later. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was, you know what I mean? It was like it was going to be a payoff for getting through a shitty period in my mind. You know, you, you kids and obsessing and like you build stuff up in your brain and you think everything's revolving around you and so far. The, the you narcissism need to get through that. You looked forward to that show. It was like it the, these are the two things keeping me alive at the yeah. moment, basically. And I didn't realize it a anyway. So um, repeat. And I was just like I went plaid, like you like to say. But luckily, I had just purchased my first nice car because you know my dad had just died and I <laughs> didn't know what else to do so it was like oh I have I can do this stuff now I sold my Honda Accord and I bought a BMW E30 <laughs> 325 sure. and um, <laughs> and uh, and it was it was old I mean you know it was 10 years old 
Um, but man, I was happy to have it. So I said, I'm going to go for a drive. Oh, and I didn't drink or I'm 18, but I also didn't drink or smoke or anything. I was straight edge as you could get uh, to the point of like, I'm totally square with all my friends, you know? And, um, so I said, I'm going to go for a drive, which was not unusual for me. And we lived in the middle of the woods and there were curvy roads. Like you had to watch out for deer, but that was about it. Uh, it was kind of a safe activity is what I'm saying. You know? Right. So I decided to do that. Uh, needed gas. So I went down to the bottom, Route 7, and the gas station in Wilton's closed, of course, because the whole town shuts down. It was a dry town back then. I think maybe you could, yeah, I think you could buy booze in restaurants at that point. But like still, everything else shut down at 8 o'clock. Right. And uh, so like 1140, 1145. I don't know. It's probably close to midnight. Yeah, it's after. I mean, I, you know, 1135. I said, "Eh, I'm I'm, I'm grabbing my coat. I'm going to go for a drive. And he was like, all right, great. I got to get up early in the morning to work at the village market, by the way. And anyway, we're Letterman shops, of course. Right. It's just the market in town. Um, But so the gas station was closed because so I end up having to go down Route 7 to Norwalk. And I uh, get gas at a place that just I'm 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 filling the tank and I'm thinking about the set and I'm, I'm wondering what happened the whole bit and I look across the uh, road uh, you know like under the street light is the uh, on, the freeway on ramp for the Merritt Parkway right the road to New York City uh, so I thought that, 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 that I'm just standing there still pumping gas but then then the gears start turning like well maybe I could do that well maybe they're still working on it well maybe I could even like sneak in and get a look like maybe I could even watch them finish it maybe I could you know what I mean like all of this stuff uh, and then I thought you're being ridiculous. And then I thought, but you could probably dumpster dive a vision that ended up taking place when the show actually went off the air right. and everybody went and did that. Um, so whatever, that's what I think. Fi- I figured something, whatever, but I decided I'm going for a drive anyway. I don't have anything to do. I have nothing but time. My life is unwritten in every possible way. Um, all I know is that I'm going to go work at Letterman someday. So I may as well, you know, yeah, or B letter. I don't know what I thought, but you know what I mean? It was going to happen. So I drove down there and I, it was the fastest drive in the history of the world. Like it just, it just, I don't know. I was in my head the whole time imagining things. And uh, lo and behold, it turned off of 56th or whatever onto Broadway and I go onto the marquee and I take it right onto 53rd. And, uh, and there are the dumpsters that I envisioned that I think they probably showed in the lobby show. You know what I mean? So like I had all of this built in my Minecraft. Right. And uh, and there are the dumpsters. So I pull my. It's like the dumpsters were like this. So I just pull right up in front, mm-hmm. and then the, the the stage door is uh, is right there. And now it is easily one in the morning because it was. It, call it a half an hour until I got gas, and then uh, call it almost an hour into the city, probably forty minutes. So I mean, it's uh, close to one o'clock in the morning, if not. Okay. I would I call it one for the sake of the story, and um, I'm about to do the like you know climb on the to get just to see just to look over to see what's in there not in my mind it's all this stuff you know what i mean truly what it probably was was cables and splintered wood and everything um because we now know that this ended up all going to a museum (laughs) what i heard and keep in mind the streets are silent and this is where the story starts folks sorry for all the backstory maybe we'll cut it down maybe we won't but this is where it starts um i heard vacuuming no joke, I heard vacuuming. That's how quiet it was on the other side of the door, the stage door of the theater. So now, I'm a fan, so I've been outside before. I mean, I've gone to the show before. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, so I've been, I know where we are, and I'm like, oh, okay. But I've never been in there. I don't know where that goes. I've never been on the stage of the Ed Sullivan Theater. You know what I mean? I would, yeah. 
Well, I wanted to just like, right. and I knew everything about NBC at this point because of my internships there. Right. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I like, I in my mind, it was, oh, I'll just fly on the wall. Same thing. Anyway, um, I knock on the door and nothing, but I definitely hear the vacuuming. So I, I pound on the door a little bit harder and it opens. And the guy with the vacuum is standing there and opens the door and I... I don't even know if I said anything to him. I think I said something to the effect of like, oh, running behind schedule, huh? Or something like that. And I just, I didn't like walk, I didn't push my way past him or anything, but I just walked in like I could. Right. Um, and it was, it was a tiny vestibule. There was another door. It was a, it was a, it was a security room. Right. You know what I mean? Here's the street door. Then there's a little room with a with a, a kiosk type of, you know, a podium deal where they check your name or whatever. And then you right. go in the next door. Okay, you go in the next door and you're on the stage of the Ed Sullivan Theater right where the guests walk out. Mm -hmm. No joke. And now, of course, this makes sense to me in hindsight, you know, when I go put the pieces together afterwards. But I did not realize that this is what was going to happen. Of course. Okay, so that guy was still vacuuming in the little vestibule, happy to have let me in. And now I'm on the stage and I'm walking out on the new stage of the Ed Sullivan Theater that no one has no seen, seen before. Yeah. No one, including me, because I was, you know, ready. Um, but everything's in the same place. There's a new desk. There's new chairs. Um, you know what I mean? There was instead of the, uh, the buildings that David Letterman always had buildings behind him. We think of him having bridges. This was that switch. Okay. This was when the entire show went to the bridges. I I saw and played with the bridges before anyone. <laughs> you have like everyone that I know is dream. Well, yeah, I guess maybe this far. In fact, this far. Okay, so that's exactly what I did. The first thing I did because I knew music, so I I right. I, I knew that I was gonna like. Okay, so I get on the stage that I'll get on the stage of the Ed Sullivan Theater, seeing the desk and chairs and everything. That guy's still back in the vestibule, and there are a couple people out. Uh, a couple of the same type cleaning people vacuuming in the audience. Okay. I don't remember two or three. You know what I mean? Like I think it was two downstairs, one upstairs, something like that. And one by one, they all disappeared. But meanwhile, they were there at first. So I had to, I couldn't just walk in and like, ah, wow. <laughs> I had to, um, you know, kind of at least, so I knew music. So I went over and pretended to tune the drums or, you know, rearrange the sheet music or whatever at one thirty in the morning or whatever. And um, I played the drums. I played the piano because I could do that. I could do those things. Not like I had access. I mean, I had the ability. Um, but what this scene is exactly reminiscent of was when we watched the Paul Reiser show. Here's No, there's Johnny. There's, John, there's Johnny. The opening scene is this kid going to the Johnny Carson Tonight Show and with a r bunch of random occurrences ends up being let in. And he spend he spends the night in the set of the of the Johnny Carson Tonight Show, and he's playing the drums and he's dancing around and everything. Okay, so um, I go immediately over to the drums and 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 whatever and that stuff. And uh, one by one, these guys start leaving. And after not very long, I'm the I'm alone. I'm the only person in the Ed Sullivan Theater at night. Nothing. Nothing. It's like the movie with the when you're locked in the mall or whatever. Right. You can't write this stuff, and I know I'll never get this opportunity again. So I begin to explore. I, I, I check out the desk and chairs, and you know what I mean. I didn't want to go too close to that stuff when when they were there because it right. was like a weird thing. But I mean, I went over and I like looked around and like you know took a moment. Like, I mean, I really like 
you know what I mean? To yeah, took it in. Apparently, I knew about energy even back then, and I didn't really, you know, know what any of it was. So, uh, so yeah, locked in the Ed Sullivan Theater overnight. Start exploring. I went up the spiral staircase over there. I went up into the catwalks all over the place. In my mind, I was matching the visuals of like, oh, this is where the camera guy is for this bumper. This is where he stands for this bumper. In my mind, I'm going to work there at some point, and I'll have all this information, and it'll you, it'll serve me. You know what I mean? You'll be out of the game, yeah. So so funny um and adorable at the same time in my mind now yeah all right let's see so they're all gone and eventually i get done exploring the stage so i you know i go up into the balcony and whatever and then um and then i find a staircase that goes under the stage and it goes really under the stage like a cement staircase um and like what i was not finished an unfinished staircase down into got it the bowels of the ed sullivan theater um so i'm you know i'm checking it all out and nobody's here so i why not explore mapping and mapping the whole thing in my brain and i'm mapping it along with the stuff they've already shown us on the air but i'm just this little obsessed guy who is like paying way too much attention you know what i mean yeah they're giving us the information for entertainment value not so that you can know take notes (laughs) so that you can know yeah uh, how the building works right um, so anyway, I find my way down and I go down that staircase and it's a whole nother sub level with like other department, the props department and all this other stuff. And now I'm like, oh, the props department. Oh my gosh. Oh, so it's important to note the microphone was not on the desk because believe me, I looked, I wanted to see it. I had never seen it in person. You know what I mean? Oh, I replicated yeah. it mm-hmm. as best I could, but I had never actually like. From seeing the show, not holding it. and Yeah. Okay. Totally. So you did a great job. <laughs> um, yeah. So I thought, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe I don't know. So I, whatever, looking around, and uh, but you know, most of the doors were locked up. You know, right. to the to the mm-hmm. uh, to the departments and stuff like that. And uh, and I and keep in mind, I wasn't there to be malicious. I wasn't there to graffiti. I wasn't there to steal anything. I wasn't there to. It just. I wanted to see the set. I was like, I was disappointed and I went down to maybe get a glimpse and I ended up getting what you couldn't possibly even imagine would happen, right? Uh, so anyway, I follow this uh, hallway and that leads to another hallway and then it leads to like a long tunnel and now we're in the unfinished hallways again and it's long and um, and it's like, all right, well, I don't even know if it goes down there, but there is a door. So, all right, so I, I can make my way all the way down there. And then um, it's, I'm, I now know that it's the Ed Sullivan Theater and the Ed Sullivan Theater office building are two different buildings. So like when you go in the lobby and stuff. Not the same. You have to, it navigates like weaving through other buildings and stuff to get you into the theater. Okay. Which is why like the front is nowhere near the back and there's businesses all around it. Of course it makes perfect sense. Uh, Anyway, it put me back into a different part or whatever. And all of a sudden I was like on the Broadway side and um, uh, I opened a door and I was in the control room. I know. Again. The Hal Gurney control room. And I thought that was so cool to me. And again, not touching anything, but man, I looked at everything because I, I mean, this was my jam. I liked all the equipment and everything. Uh, and same thing, one room into the next. And, and, and uh, was a, there was a, a special effects, or no, a sound effects room and a videotape room and, uh, and an audio room. And um, I, I'm exploring the whole thing. And I went into the audio room. And 
checking out the audio console because it's the biggest one I've ever seen. Super cool. Even bigger. You know, it was like a bigger budget show. Everything was just bigger. So even right. than Conan and the shows that I was working on, this was like just top so, of the line. And I, I, le- I knew how to do that stuff right. from from when I was a kid. So uh, anyway, one thing led another, and I turned around and just like that. And on the other side of the room, in the same room, on a, a desk, a tape, you know, like counter, was the microphone. That no hoop, no hoopla, like no no, it's just sitting there, fare, just like on the desk, just sitting there on so a on cool. a counter, you know, um, in in a room underneath the, but not on the desk upstairs, right. Well, folks, here's where it gets interesting. And for those who have been playing along at home, you've probably put the pieces together already. Before I even knew it, that thing was apart and in my pockets, and I was out of there. Yes, I stole David Letterman's microphone. Um, so what happened? Uh, I don't really remember. It was like a switch. It was, it was an opportunity. It was, you're never going to get this again. It was, if you want it, you should just take it. I, I don't know. It was all of those things all at once. And, um, and I also thought, you've been trying to get noticed. Here you <laughs> go. You want to get noticed. Or, I don't know. Anyway, so I put, took it apart, and I started walking, you know, like out of the, out of the, the building. Not running or anything, but like I w- exploring was done. I now need to exit. So I made my way out exactly like I came in and got out and I went out the door and I got into the BMW and I uh, drove away. And then I pulled around the corner onto West Side Highway and I pulled over to the side and uh, and no cars around, keep in mind. And I took all the pieces out and I put them on the passenger seat and I looked at them for a second and I couldn't believe it. And I, um, I, I could, first of all, it was all beat up. And I wasn't sure it was the even the right one. I knew it was, but at the same time, I had never seen the real one, and I couldn't believe how beat up it was. Right, right, right. right. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't look like a show. It didn't look like a show, Mike, I gather. And it was in a different part. I, right. I don't know. I think I told myself. I think I told myself, like lied to myself in order to get over the hump to take. I think I told myself that it was a backup or something right. like that. I really did. Because I know Johnny had a backup. You know, everybody has backups. And I really told myself that now I don't think I ever believed it ever ever yeah you know what I mean yeah but it's still it's whatever I told myself in the moment so okay so yeah we're raw now um um I put the pieces back together and I've got the map light on now in my e30 so now here I am this 18 year old kid and I've got my you know one of my dream cars and I'm sitting here next to the one of only a few things I ever coveted in my life. You know what I mean? Other than like a happy <laughs> happiness. <laughs> um, uh, and, and there it was sitting there. Um, and I, at that point couldn't even go back. Right. I thought about it once I put it together and it was there and I was on the side of the road, only a couple blocks away. I considered it and I knew I, I was in, I was all in. Now what I could do is, call the show or return it the next day. I could have done any of those things, but what I, <laughs> you know what I mean? What I, I, I knew what I couldn't do is go back that night. Right. So I drove home and occasionally flipping the thing on and looking down because I could not believe what I couldn't believe what was sitting there and I couldn't believe what I had just done. So I'm clicking the thing on and whatever. And it was the longest ride in the history of rides home from the city to Wilton, Connecticut. But 
my friend Brian is staying uh, with me and he is sleeping and he knows all about me and David Letterman and, the, and that I'm going to have a show someday and that I'm going to work for him, whatever. So he's all for it. And I wake him up and I go and I say, I'm going to use this for the purposes. Of, and I say, uh, I'm, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm expecting so much Look. more. And I'm like, and he's, you know, yeah, I know. Like you love, he knows me to not be drunk, but like, are you drunk? What the hell's the problem with you? Um, so I knew he wasn't getting it. So I, I ran on the, the slipping all over those freshly uh, redone hardwood floors. Tom Cruise and I go to the other yeah, and I go to the other room to get um, uh, my microphone so that I could then um, show him what's going on. So I went and I got two, and I came back with both of them. And then he said, "Holy jeez, what's going on?" And um, we went and sat down in the living room, and I told him the story. Um, so here it is. Here it is. Um, so what's really interesting about this is not that I took it. I think that I think it's understandable that a kid would take it. I really do. A kid in the position of whatever, who wanted it, who do, you know, all those things. Um, but what I what the right thing I think to have done would be then to, you know, return it somehow. Blah blah blah. Lost my head. I I went down there. I was excited. I lost my head. The adult in me knows I have assured myself an internship and a job probably for life because of my commitment. And then, you know what I mean? Like I could have turned that into something. Um, I ended up going a different route. Um, so we're going to play the clip now for you. Um, I, I told Brian what happened. I told him every detail about the new set to corroborate my story so right. that this is in fact because it didn't look like it. It's all sorts of beat up. By the way, it's beat up because of David Letterman. It was new when they put it on the desk. It used to look like this. And the reason it's all crunked up is because of the use that they put on it. And I know all that now, that now you know what I mean? I didn't know it at the time. Um, so we're dancing all around here, folks. Sorry, a little nervous. Coming up on 50 minutes already, and we're not even quite done. Um, I feel it's it's okay, though. The, pa the pauses add to the gravity of this whole thing because I, I don't want anyone to think that I take this lightly i don't take it lightly at all this has been a, a point of shame for me for a very long time to the point where i i used to you know what i mean i hid it away i hit it, it it has always lived on a shelf in wherever i've lived but nobody really knows what or why and certainly doesn't know the whole story and um so anyway okay so um that was monday night monday night supposed to have a new set no show I drive down to the city, <laughs> get led into the Ed Sullivan Theater. Everything happens. Uh, now the next night, we don't know what's going to happen. Is there was this a backup? What are we going to see the show? Whatever. And we've been playing this clip nonstop, but perhaps it'll have different gravity to you now. Roll it, Hal. <laughs> Once you get her started, by oh, God, you no just, there's no stopping her. I've noticed two problems with the new set. What? Well, one, uh, this microphone is higher than it needs to be. Now, what's that about? Well, it's because the other microphone, the one that's been on the desk for two and a half years here and uh, 13 and a half years at NBC, last night that was stolen. Uh, you're kidding. Now, that was stolen. So, <laughs> so we had to replace it with this other uh, new, and it occurs to me that we stole that microphone from NBC. So, you know, and the other thing is there's no window here now, so when I do this, what do we get? 
See? We, we used to have some kind of satisfying sound effect that... I don't know. Some things to work out. We'll have some meetings and we'll take care of those. Okay, so, you know, you remember that. Yeah. How's it feel now? Definitely different. <laughs> um, yes, definitely different. So here's where the story, believe it or not, folks, we haven't gotten to the interesting part of the story yet. Can you believe it? I feel like a lot of people probably put that piece together. Um, here's where it gets interesting. Um, I now know, oh, by the way, when that happened live, Brian erupts off the couch. He's talking about you. He is so excited for me. I, I, don't, I don't know how or why, but it made no sense because I was slunk into the couch because I, it was the real one. And I knew that I knew it, but, uh, and it, you know, it, they weren't planning on changing it, which I thought also could be a possibility because right. it wasn't on the new desk, even though I knew that it was the only thing, you know what I mean? Like whatever. Um, all of the justifications that one does when they're trying to cover up their tracks. Oh, to be 18. Um, so what do we do? How do we remedy this situation? Right. This is still here. So what did we do? Somebody remedied the situation. Um, I don't remember how and, and whatever, but that was a long ass night. And then the next day was not good. And, um, from that clip, you, it doesn't look as though Dave is all that bothered. So it was one of those where I was kind of, Oh, okay, this is a thing. But, and Phil Hartman was the guest and he's like, thank you for being here. Thank you for breaking in our right. extra tall microphone, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, and he, you know, it was wonky and he took to not even sitting at the desk at some point he would show up in different places. Uh, it was clearly an issue. I found that stuff out. Um, I mean, I, you, I could see that from, from watching what I'm getting to is I, I still wasn't sure what to do. Do I bring this back or what? And this, the kid was too afraid. He never, I didn't believe that they wouldn't think I went there to take it. Do you believe that? Because, yeah. it, because I knew how it looked. Right. I was, I, I went every square inch and then I found what I was looking for. And then out of there. Right. I see. And how they don't know any of the backstory, way. you know, right. Without any of that. It's so I, I, I didn't think. And, and at that point, as the week went on, um, it became very, very obvious that Dave was very uncomfortable, irritated, all the above. Yeah. We have a whole separate clip reel I'm not going to play here today of all of the bits that were written and performed on the show that week revolving around new set stuff. Um, they had a new set fan club leader come in as a kid who looked like me, dressed like me who then was like touching the desk and wouldn't leave weird stuff. Um, they had Dana Carvey come in and steal a part of the set <laughs> and take it, right. you know, for his thing. Um, so all of this stuff, um, it was clear that it was an issue and it wasn't just simply, Oh, it's an irritant and we'll get used to it and whatever. <clears throat> so I decide now keep in mind, I've got two of these things because I've got mine from my high school show and I've got this one, his, so I decide basically on Friday evening that I'm going to um, give him, I'm going to return, I'm, gonna, I, I'm not going to pull a switcheroo because they were not remotely similar. These two look identical because this replica is much better than, you know, because of hello life. Um, I don't know what I'm trying to get at here, but the gist of it is I, I decided 
that I would take my microphone from my high school show to David Letterman and I would give it to him as a gift. I didn't even ever say that. It was like an offering. I really thought I didn't have the balls to go say what happened because I didn't think they believed me. But I thought that, oh, if I do this, maybe it'll start the conversation. And I wasn't going to lie right. about it. I knew I wasn't going to lie about it. And if he asked me, I was going to tell him. I, I told myself that. I told Brian that. I promised. But my God, I didn't have the guts to tell him. You know what I mean? I didn't. Mm-hmm. I, di- I don't know how or why, but I just lost my dad. And then this is the only other uh, positive, uh, the only other role model. That, and I'm not saying he should be, but he was for, for me because I was effed up. Right. Um, so I decide that I'm going to go to his house on Saturday because he lives in the same town. I forgot all of that to mention that earlier, but most of you know that I grew up in the same town where David Letterman lived while he did these shows way back when. Uh, so whatever, I got to speed this up. I do go drive over to David Letterman's house at 11 o'clock on Sunday and I have no idea how I'm going to get in because there's a, a gate and it, it, whatever. He doesn't live in the same house anymore, so I don't mind giving details. Plus, I, I, whatever, I, don't, I think that may have even been ripped down. I don't even know. But at the time, it was like an old-fashioned, like a farmhouse-type old old house and uh, for security, I'm assuming. But yeah. the driveway went up in the back of the house. So, like, yeah. the front door is in the front, but, like, it's just a yard in the front and a stone wall in the street. You can't – I mean, you could walk to it, but you can't, it's not, not convenient. Yeah. Right. And certainly not if you're not supposed to be there. Right. Uh, this is all going on at the same time that mrs david letterman was breaking into his house too i should probably say Uh, that i feel like that was all probably the same same era um i drive over to his house i get to where uh the driveway is and where the gate is and i've been working the whole way over there long drive this time very long drive not the quick one into the city this one took forever in my mind because I was dreading it and I may have taken some long turns to get there. Uh, I'm trying to decide what I'm going to say, you know, cause I got to get through the box in order to get up. Right. Like I could just leave the mic and run, but you know what I mean? It doesn't work from the street. I got to right. get in. So I'm trying to, re- I'm rehearsing and the whole bit. I get up to the driveway and the gates open. And I don't mean open. Like somebody just drove up it and I can tailgate in. I mean, it's open. It's, I don't imagine it's ever open. I didn't, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's an odd occurrence that it's open, it seems like. It was an odd occurrence that there was a guy vacuuming yeah. this vest, this six-foot vestibule the moment I pulled my, you know what I mean? All this stuff is weird and wild. But I believe that I manifested it all because I, did, I wasn't focusing on anything else at that time in my life. And it's a lesson for you folks. Um, so I drive up the driveway and now I'm up behind the house and there's like a turnaround thing. And I can now see what's going on. He was having his pool filled. So that was like the one day Irony. of the season. Yeah. I, what are the chances? Seriously. So so I drove up. And now I'm in the back. And the guys are de- The pool is not close by. It's like a whole separate. It's down by the tennis court. The whole separate thing. So, um, so there's nobody around. So I've just driven up in my E30 BMW. Same car I drove to the Ed Sullivan Theater that I'm assuming is on all the security footage. And I'm assuming there is plenty of security footage. Um, and then now, so now I'm in David Letterman's yard and I'm looking around and there's, there's not like a door to go. Like, I don't know where to go because the front door is, it's, it's now inaccessible to me because right. I've driven, I've now helped myself up into the backyard. 
whatever. I see a screened porch, and I know that that will get into the house. So I'm like, all right, I got to go that way. So I take the mic, and I get a few deep breaths, a few deep breaths, big time. Oh. And I take the mic, and I... I'm looking at I'm the pool guy. Nobody. Okay, I'm doing the right thing. I'm like looking around to see if there is another option. No, there isn't. So I go up a couple steps and I knock on the screen door. There's no one in the screen porch. No one's going to answer. So I open the screen door of the porch. Go into. It's a finished room, by the way. This is a this is a room of their house or his house that they apparently use. It's not just like a porch. And I knock on the big plate glass. So now I'm I'm at David. I'm in David Letterman. I'm at David Letterman's door, but I can see into his house. And he does not know me. I need to say that once again. But I've got the microphone in hand and it's a big plate glass thing. So he's coming. You know, Yeah. So I see him come into view and he comes around and he comes over and he opens the door and tip of the hat. And what can I do for you? And I said, my name is, I used to do a show at the high school with the, and we, I, you, I heard your microphone was still, I mean, so much dribble <laughs> of nothingness of this kid who wasn't that put together to begin with, let alone all of the stuff that just happened to him. And then what he just did to compound the entire situation. Blah. I think, yeah, I think I really must have thought I had nothing to lose at that point. That really is it. You know what I mean? No fear. I would imagine. So, back and forth, back and forth. I can't take this. No, please. It would mean a lot to me. Blah, blah, blah. Back and forth, back and forth. Eventually, he takes it in his hand. For the purposes of this, I'll use his. Uh, and he takes mine in his hand and he just kind of spins it around and does. And I said, It's not yours. And I said, But it's pretty close. And he spun it around. And he goes, well, yeah, it is. It was real close, actually. And it, it was at that point where I was like, I, 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 knew, I got him. Now, I mean, like, he's going to take it. Um, maybe another five or ten seconds. It seemed like forever, but it was probably the, enough for him to collect his thoughts and decide what to do and what to say. Because keep in mind, I'm pretty sure he knows exactly who I am. <laughs> it's a good guess. Yeah. Um. And uh, anyway, he said, all right, okay, all right, I'll t- I will, I'll, I will accept this, but, but you stay right there. You wait right there. I got to get something for you. You just wait right there. I said, okay. And now I am convinced that he is going inside. He goes, <laughs> he goes, it shuts the door, puts the microphone on the dining room table and goes out of sight, up the staircase and out of sight. And I'm convinced he's calling the New Canaan Police Department. <laughs> I mean, that's what I would be doing at this moment. Right, right. And I'm in a weird way, I'm relieved about it because it's all going to happen. Right. And then I'm going to get a conversation with David Letterman at his house. Yeah. I just had one, but you know what I mean? Like, but, I yeah. think the whole thing's going to... Here's the whole story. I'll, it'll unravel. Exactly. So he comes down um, stairs with something in his hands, and it's something I recognize immediately because it's the only other thing I ever coveted other than the microphone because that's how the universe works. He's unwrapping this as he's bringing it to me. And he looks me up and sizes me, you know, looks me up and down. He goes, uh, well, I wear an XL and we're about the same size. So this ought to do for you. That's the coolest. I can't imagine getting that. It's a late show jacket. Um, Seriously, folks. <laughs> oh my god! For real, none of these pictures are new. So, I just, 
I'm going to say accidentally, but I'm only saying that to sugarcoat it a little bit. I just accidentally stole from my hero. And then I just kind of made some weird, really weird quasi, uh, what do you call that? When you like make, you know, uh, when you make amends or whatever, like a weird pens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that. And I get another payoff. Talk about confusing. Um, and he sends me on my way. And he sent me on my way. And, and, and I was um, amazed because I have that. Uh, I was amazed because I had that. And David Letterman had just taken my microphone. So now I don't know what's going to happen from here on out. I do know that at the very, oh, and I had my name and address and phone it. number on the bottom of it. So I knew at the very least, somebody Some from that show call. is calling me to be like, okay, so like the jig is up. <laughs> the jig is up. What the? I thought Lori Diamond would call me, quite frankly, because she and I had, we had a, a lot of correspondence previously. And she, she was his assistant at the time. Yeah. Um, so I was convinced of it. I was really convinced of it. I Yeah, and, I would be too. And... And what happened was all of that family stuff, they sold the house. I ended up having to move. Phone number gone. Um, I moved to it. You know what I mean? Like everything oh. happened. So not only did they never call, but within a matter of a month or so, none of the information was good anymore. Right. But here's the good part. Stole the thing on Monday. No set on Monday. Drove down to the city. Took it. He announces it on Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Nightmare shows with an angry David Letterman and a fucked up microphone. Saturday, I drive to his house, give him my microphone that I replicated to look like his for my educational access show. Monday, the following Monday, it's sitting on David Letterman's desk the cool- on The Late Show where it remained for the next decade. That's the coolest. I don't know what to tell you, but the switcheroo did occur. And I never told that story because when I was young, I didn't have the guts to. And the in-between... It was just put away. I had I have I, I chucked that entire hunk of life. It was not good for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that I had just buried it. And unfortunately for um me, um I buried something that was the only thing I had ever wanted to work towards at that time in my life. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's one of those like, okay, I got my prize, but then I never pursued it any further because I was afraid I was afraid I was I was yeah. terrified and it and it petrified me to the point of not moving forward right which is one of the reasons we wanted to tell this story not today but tell this story it's important uh, not because David Letterman's microphone is important I think it might be important to him so I would like to get it back to him if it is um, I found out a lot of stuff over the years all after the fact that leads me to believe that it it's possible that it's very important. It's yeah. possible he doesn't give a shit, but it's very possible because of the history and the things I know about it now that it is very important. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, that's why we wanted to have him here. It was the anniversary. Um, we're work- the, the story is good enough um, that there's a few projects that we're working on behind the scenes um, that you all know about. But um, it never would have been right to advance those projects past a certain level and certainly never to make a dime off them without making this part right because um, it's just it was time. I mean, it was time a long, long time ago. 
but I had buried it so deep. Oh, so why now? Why now is the, is the question. Uh, when you got sick, everything changed. When I got sick, everything changed. And when we started um, living differently and more honestly and authentically and in the moment and um, helping others and caring about the world, quite frankly, and believing that you can make a difference uh, is when my, all my feelings shifted on it. And uh, I brought them all back. And I, it was two years ago that we decided to tell this story, that I decided that, oh my gosh, okay, it has to happen, it has to happen, and I need to do it, and I need to make it right. It's like a, a universal karmic, oh man, I fucked up big one time uh, way back when, and it's a monkey that's been on my back forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? I never killed like a guy. It weighs on you, though. Yeah, I, I, you know what I mean? There's a lot of things I didn't do. I'm pretty squeaky clean in a lot of ways, which is amazing, thank God, considering the things I've been through. But this is something that's just always been back there and I've never, never felt good about it. And I've always um, known, I've always known it inside me. And that's not good. No. That's not good for anybody. I imagine it has been like eating away at you a little bit. Well, yeah, so I, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. I mean, you know, if, I don't know, if you were expecting fireworks and stuff, um, I don't know if that's, if, if you're going to be satisfied, I know that I'm emotionally wrung out from telling you that story. Um, I felt it all again. I hope I maintain my composure because I promise you, I felt every bit of it again. My palms are very wet Ooh, and clean. I, yeah, um, I'm not put together underneath because um, this was a lot for me. This is a, this was a, a lifelong thing. I feel like I came out of the closet, truly. You know, and, and I and I can't imagine, I guess I can. I, I perhaps have a, an inkling of the relief that that one gets when they're able to do that. I'm glad so um, the long and short of all of this is um, I owe David Letterman a, a very big apology. And I am very sorry, Dave. And I would like to make it right to you um, in some way. And I don't know what that's going to be. But I promise you that I've been paying it forward and uh, trying to do good in the world and um, trying to spread my positivity because that's what I believe my uh, job is from here on out. So back to both of us. I love you, Mrs. Ryan. I love everybody at home. And um, thanks, Dave. Sorry, Dave. And uh, a new day. I'm, it's amazing. I feel like I have freedom and that's awesome. It's you. I can feel your emotion. That's why I'm, I promise I'm good. I'm good. I'm better than I've ever been in my life. It's it's so there's so much emotion in that story, and and seeing you tell it is ringing me up. I love you. <laughs> I love you so much. Everything changes. Uh, we love you at home. Yeah, uh, I know. Let's see. Thanks, everyone. Have a great weekend. How about that? Yeah. And uh, we are dark next week, except there are some surprises. There will be a surprise show. Uh, with a lot of Porsche friends and people that you know and stuff. So uh, other than that, though, we will not be here Monday. We are taking some time off for Mrs. Ryan and myself. Um, just a couple days, though. We will see you midweek, I think, uh, for an exciting little surprise, an exciting update. Um, and in the meantime, I would say that this would probably be the episode to comment on, folks. If yeah. you're going to leave a comment, if you're going to forward uh, something to somebody, if you're going to do anything, this would probably be the episode because I don't know that you'll get anything more real than this on this show ever <laughs> yeah we love you we love you we love you uh goodbye good night good everything have a great weekend Thanks. <laughs>